the Dragonlance Nexus is proud to present the Dragonlance Canticle. And welcome back to another exciting episode of the Dragonlance Canticle, a podcast about Dragonlance, things with dragons and lances, pointy shit sticks that will kill dragons and do max HP damage of the character wielding it. Yes, that's right. Womp womp. I'm your host tonight. I am Chuck, who loved second edition and apparently could not move on from it, but do love fifth edition almost as much. And joining me tonight, as always, I have a couple of co-hosts. We'll start with the East Coast, then back to the Central Plains. I guess, I guess that's me. Hi, I'm Tim Shiflet. I uh, hi, I'm yeah, I'm here uh, representing the writers of Tesselhoff's Pouches of Everything. Oh, that's what we're talking about tonight. Oh, hey, sorry. I'm in, I, uh, no. <laughs> I think I really do feel like kind of like I flubbed that. Like I wasn't ready for it. So no, you didn't flub. Right. It. I, that's the <laughs> the beauty is like the re- the reality of podcasts is is people like us messing up. But anyway, I'm I'm Ed McKeel, and I'm also uh, a t- on the team of the Dragonlance Nexus, and I'm I'm totally here with with Chuck and Tim to to talk about Tasselhoff's pouches of everything. But anyway, let's let's we'll get there in a minute. And we are going to move on to the main topic of the evening: why the Dragonlance should do max damage. <laughs> Glad we didn't go there in the book. But <laughs> what book are you talking about? I'm about the Pouches book, the Tesselhaus Pouches of Everything book that has the best cover art ever made of any book. It is. Oh, yeah. I'm looking at it right now. It is a beautiful too. cover art. If, if, if you do, go ahead. You I was going to give a shout out. Go ahead, give the shout out, Ed. It's it's well deserved. So, um, Elena Greenadera, or you can just look her up on Facebook, Greenadera Art, uh, or Elena Zambali. Zambelli. Zambelli. Yeah. Zambelli. Right. There you go. Uh, she is from Italy. She made this excellent uh, art that is just Tasselhoff. Basically, pouch grabbing from Lord Soth, and I saw that. And I, when I was given the job to do the layout design, I was like, "That's our cover, right there." And she's she did a lot of our interior art, uh, and she's awesome. And you can just find her on Twitter, or Facebook, Green Adair Art. Um, I I have nothing to say but but good for her. And she did she did some interviews and. Just gave us raving reviews that she loves Dragonlance. Uh, and I'm just happy that we were able to feature her in our in this source book that we made. Yeah, and I want to talk just a second about this painting. Because there's something that creeps up every once in a while that does bother folks. Um, how, how is Task grabbing the coin purse? I want to tell you flat out, that's not a coin purse. Lord Soth doesn't carry a coin purse. That's something valuable. Whatever that is, that's something more than just a few coins in his pocket. So I'm just saying, no Death Knight carries a coin person in Corinne. And, All right, and, off my off my soapbox. Well, let's let, and and obviously when we talk about Tasselhoff, let's just not take everything so seriously. It's just fun art, okay? What? What? <laughs> Sorry, you're breaking up. You said something about fun art, so I don't understand these words. Yeah, we do not have to take every little thing like it has to be spot on perfect and fit within your little world view of what should be happening. So yeah, it is remember sharing fun, beautiful picture, and uh, I'm really glad we got to use it. I, I was able to share this, and obviously we had plenty of of bad comments of just like that would never happen, and I'm just like lighten up, dude. Lighten yeah. up. <laughs> Chill. It's all right. It's, it's called. It's called the genre is called fantasy. What my fantasy is 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 totally most realistic thing I've ever seen, and that could never happen, Chuck. You're right, and two hobbits couldn't make their way to Mount Doom. 
<laughs> but we're not talking about that either right now. So let's get back on to topic of the evening. We talked a little about the art, the interior art, by the way. Um, there's there's that draconian piece also. That Ed, you right. did not touch yeah. on. No, I did not. I, I asked. Uh, we actually commissioned that one. She gave us a lot of free art. Um, and what I did was with, because she had given us a lot of free art, I, I wanted to commission and make sure that, you know, she was she was paid for some of her work. And I asked her to just go wild. I was like, look, I would like an art that is just all five draconians. And I don't want you to look and to do anything. Just do what comes to mind. And obviously you can look at the old art and do whatever, but I don't want you to feel beholden to it. And I'm very happy with what she did. And it was the, uh, it was the chapter to, it was the, the head art to the chapter for, which one was it? I'm looking. Which um, art for the draconians? Uh, Creatures of Ancelon, chapter eight. Yeah, chapter eight. It was it was that so every chapter we do a full page spread, uh, full page spread of art. Some of the art we used was old, but that one was just and she did it. She did a great job. She did it uh, a different. She actually she took some of the the original dragon heads that were do, that were done for three point five for the um, the uh, metallic dragons, and she kind of used those as a basis, and then she just went from there. And I I love it. Uh, yeah, she shared it a number of times. So. I got to tell you, though, my absolute favorite piece is, um, I believe, it right at the beginning of Chapter 2. And it is a picture of uh, Lyncha Majir. Oh, um, she did that oh, one, too. Yeah, I, I believe so, yeah. Uh, and, I mean, that is just, she's looking up. There's, like, there's like there are dragons flying in the sky and she's holding a banner and her owls in the other hand. And I don't know. It, it's, it's a really, really, really fantastic piece. And it's my favorite. Very good. But enough about the art. I mean, we, well, actually I will say this. We, we, it's not just her that did our art. We have a couple of other artists. Patrick Pullen did a couple of good ones. Um, we have a couple of other original artists that I, we can highlight later. But go ahead, Chuck. I cut you off. Well, let's, uh, let's stick with art right now since we're on the topic. Who, who else should we highlight? Um, is there anybody else you want to give a shout-out to? Well, so um, we had one, one piece from Larry Elmore, who is always a, a classic. And it was the, the actual art that was to... Um, the cover to races of Ancelon for the 3.5. Mm -hmm. Um, Patrick Pullen gave us a number of pieces. He did a great Lord Soth. Uh, he also did a great dwarf when we get to the races area. Uh, Candace Evanson did a, some magic items. She did the, uh, the eyeglasses of the Arcan Arcanist. Um, there are a number of other artists that we that we use from the nexus uh Ertak Altanaz um Michael Biel Bielisic uh I think it's Glass, Belichick Belichick and so some of Jennifer Meyer who had who had done so we had to recycle a lot of older art and so that was that was an, a big deal is this book is all ours but I would say about 65 to 70 percent of the art was recycled from older uh, 3.5 and other gaming books. Uh, and, and that's because, you know, the Nexus doesn't have a normal income. And honestly, through doing Taz's pouches, we were able to kind of build uh, a good subscription to our Patreon. And they are... The money that's coming in is all going to pay for new art. Uh, in fact, so we're going to put out another book here soon, and I, I won't. We'll get to that later. But we we've got several new pieces of art that we we're able to commission from that money, and and it's it's a it's a good feeling because eventually we'll want you know when Dragonlance is is able to go on the DMs Guild, you know we want to start being able to sell our stuff. 
and and make money for the nexus and so we can keep making new books and that's the whole point is subscribing liking our stuff and and we make new art so we can continue because we work for free right are you getting paid Chuck? well i didn't get paid i haven't been paid in 15 years no (laughs) so really all this all the money we get for our subscribes or, or our likes or whatever from patreon are all going to our art and so the the worst part Ed, is Trampus gives me a thirty percent raise every year. Thirty hmm. percent of zero is still zero. Uh, yeah, I keep falling for it every year. It's like, are you doing an excellent job? Are you? I think you deserve thirty percent max raise. I'm like, perfect. Here, here's your bill for the year. I'm rolling in it. So we've 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 talked a lot about art, and that's great. We've we've had some excellent artists, and we've recycled some stuff. But let's look. Well, you I, guys I think, are the stars. You, no. Tim, and Chuck. You guys came yeah. up with the chunk. Okay, let's talk about that. Uh, let's talk about Tim. Tim did the lion share. Let's be honest here. He he did the the heavy lifting. I was oh, just I the guy. Ho- I was that. the guy holding the ladder. Was he's carrying the shingles up and down to fix the roof. Well, we, we really haven't given like a synopsis of exactly what Task Loss Patches Everything is. So but. far, it is a 5e collection of rules to play in Dragonlance. It includes the race of the Vancelon. It includes organizations you would find in Ancelon. You have player options. You have racial weapons and equipment. You've got the path- Pantheon. You've got the magic, the magical uh, weapons. Plus, you have history of Dragonlance. So you need it's everything you need to, as long as you have a five e ha- player's handbook, five e DM's uh, guide, five e monster manual, and you have this, you can play in a Dragonlance game. You don't need anything else other than your imagination. Go creatures too, creatures. Oh yeah, so there are monsters also in this book that that go bump in the night. So. Um, basically, this book is, is we dive into the races. I mean, there's some of the races here that are pretty standard. You've got your dwarves. You have Hill and Mountain Dwarf. Both those mm-hmm. are already in the sub-race. But you also have the Gully Dwarf. Yeah. Which, which is an interesting thing to include because mm-hmm. um, Gully Dwarves are often used comical relief in the novels. Yeah, they've been, uh, I don't know, I think even as far back as uh, the 1A Dragonlance Adventures, they were a playable race back then. So I felt like it was, uh, you know, appropriate to include them. So let's talk about the elephant in the room. Okay, go ahead, hit me. I know what you're going to ask. Go ahead, hit me. It's It's not a question. And it was a lot of comments. So when we posted this to Ian World... We actually got compliments, for the most part, on how we handled gully dwarves. Um, we didn't, a lot of people that are out there that say gully dwarves are making fun of mentally disabled people because they have lower subpar intelligence or they're dirty or whatever. Uh, and I feel like we definitely, Tim, Chuck, you guys did a really good job of making them more survivalists than than the comedic potentially making fun of aspect than they've been portrayed in the past. Yeah, I don't I I don't I've always had a problem with um gully dwarves being portrayed as as unintelligent, right? Because I mean, they they live in a particular culture, and they have uh, like just like everybody else, they don't see the world the way you know most sentient you know humanoids see the world, and so um, they tend to just find places where they can exist, and they exist there, and their culture hasn't evolved to a point where they need you know, a written language or to count beyond two or, you know, whatever. So, um, you know, they just don't need it. And so they don't have it. It doesn't mean they're stupid. They're just, I don't know. That's how I've always kind of thought about goalie dwarves. And 
Um, so that being said, I just I just wrote them up, and I did I just didn't address their intelligence at all. And that's fine. I, yeah. I, I, I so if you want to play them as stupid and as a cliched kind of a thing, then do it. You know, but if you know, but you can also play them any way you want. It's kind of my my design goal here was just anybody could take what I wrote and make a gully dwarf character, and they can play it however they want. And it works. Yeah, I agree. And we also got compliments for how we we wrote up Kinder. We Ooh, didn't make them, out. you know, the whole. Uh, kleptomaniacs we did give them a pouch wrap but it was more like self-contained yeah i mean kinder was a one of those things that i did did a lot of play testing with like it was uh, probably a year some change uh, of of trying out different versions of them um before we kind of settled on what we ended up with uh, one of the biggest issues with kinder was the was the ability to to handle things and we tried several different methods of trying to come up with rules or number of times you could do it based on your deck skill um it, but it got to the point where it was detrimental every time we put a kinder into a party where the kinder constantly ended up just taking stuff from its own their own party um because they had this ability to use and um as we all know if you get good stuff sometimes in a game it's limited resources well the people sometimes playing kender and and they were you know as play testers these people were told to play all different aspects you know don't don't play nice always um uh, and so we can get feedback and we found out the the more the the, the more of ability they could have to grab stuff from people the less people enjoyed the game. Mm-hmm. And, well, and, and, and it's was... not just grabbing stuff from people, it's grabbing things that are important, like a wizard's spell book, for instance. <laughs> yes. And, and Tim, Tim sat through a game of, of playtesting, and, and that's what happened. Yep. It was <laughs> annoying. It was annoying to DM it, because I had no way to stop it. And, and um, yeah. So we we the the Kinder went through through a lot of revision, um, and then we ended up with a pouch grab, which has uh, seemed to work fairly well. And we also made Handler as more a background than as part of the race. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. The one thing we carried through that I really was passionate carrying through was a taunt ability, because I mean that's the one thing that um, Kinder are known for. But yet, you don't want to make it an ability that you just constantly can do it. Um, And and you also don't want to make it an ability that a player can can really manipulate it. Um, I've seen a lot of taunts out there that people have done where the opponent must charge to Kender and try to reach him. And it has no limit. Uh, It's a bonus action. So all you do is have the Kender keep taunting all your opponents and just keep dashing. So they right. can never catch the Kender, and the rest of the party just uses slings and bows and and anything that's a missile weapon to kill every every encounter. I mean that happened so, in our game, in our official game. Yeah. Until we put uh, a limit on it, you're right. Yep. Yeah. Um, so and then we had the afflicted Kender, which is, um, that that was a tough one because you've got afflicted Kender already on the setting prior to malice because there's kinder and hilo that don't find things that they don't find joy they they live serious um mm. and so or no it's the northern ur growth is that hilo yeah that's Hilo. yeah so th- some of those kinder aren't, aren't always your traditional kinder and so we doing the research and everything I know the wisdom bonus seemed to be uh, a natural fit for it, but then it came down to the intelligent bonus seemed to be a better fit because these kinder aren't, they're not wise. They're actually trying to learn things. They're trying to, to, to do things. And we looked at, and one of the big things I looked at was the kinder in 
Amber Nashes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what's its name? Can't remember. Nightshade Prickly Bear. No, that's yep. it. Yep, and how he how he does handle a lot of, a lot of his stuff in that in that novel series was very much investigative type things. Um, he wasn't wise about things. He would look at things that from a scientific approach, and and make his judgment calls that way. So. We figured if it was good enough for Margaret, it's good enough for us. Yeah, sure. Maybe not. I mean, I love Taz's little note in that section where he just says "sad kinder" with a with a sad face. That was that that was me. That was me. I did that. That's the Taz's notes were, were were a nice addition in the book. So, yeah. Um. The other characters kind of highlight um, that aren't in a player's handbook are Draconians. They are a playable race in 5e for us. Um, that was another one of those that was a, a lot of work because um, I think, did John come up with the original rules for 5e for, for Draconians? Uh, I did the original. Okay. John did the monster ones. I can't remember which one of you did the other, but it took a lot of going back and forth and kind of trying to figure out. I know we had to synergize them, like, <laughs> yeah, make them recognizable as both a race and a, a monster. Yeah, so, yes. but recognizable as the same creature. So yeah, there was a lot of back and forth going as far as like tweaking one to match the other, and you know that sort of thing. Uh, at the end of the day, though, I mean, they are very much a playable race in, in our version of the 5e rule set. Yeah. Any other races you want to touch on? Erda. Oh, Erda. Yeah, yeah. Erda. There are Erda. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They're few and far between now, but yeah. Uh, also, the Faven. I, I really enjoyed writing up the Faven, which. Yeah. Never appears, I don't know, in any novel ever, but you know, they're always in the gaming material, and I just always thought they were cool. So, yeah. and this is gaming material, so yep, but yeah, and they, and they got the Erda, of course. Um, you know, that the predecessors to the ogres, mm-hmm. um, and they have that shape change ability, so that's kind of a, a cool thing for them to be able to use. But overall, I think the races uh, really we we try to try to figure out the best races for for playing the game and not just um, just because it, it's a race in Korean. Like we didn't include shadow people. Right. <laughs> yeah, I wrote up shadow. I don't people. know how you would just add them up to be a player race. I know it's but, it, but but it's fun. But it was it was just a fun exercise. And yeah, we you were right not to include it. it they they yeah. shouldn't be a player race. I don't think. Oh, then we move into uh, the next thing. I think we spent probably probably more time was on organizations because that's the one thing in Five E with with Dragonlance. You've got classic organizations. You've got the Knights of Salamnia or or Salami. <laughs> no, you've got right. the Knights Knights of Tachesis or Naraka. You've got the Wizards of High Sorcery. You've got all these different hierarchies of of Legion of Steel. You've got all these different organizations that already exist. Mm-hmm. Um, and for us, uh, we wanted to make sure there was some way to play these organizations because they play such a big part in in the world of Kryn. And Tim, you came up with some uh, great rules for these. Well, I, I really I just followed the guidelines in um the dungeon master's guide for how to create an organization and um, the hardest part of all of these were were just going back and and writing out you know the chat you know the information right the history you know and not trying not to rehash if you guys want a complete history of all of these organizations go back to the three five material it's all there um, and I, I relied heavily on that for, for what I did here, but I just, I just tried to summarize as much as I could, but it's still, they ended up being, uh, pretty long, uh, a pretty long chapter for organizations. So you're um, really minimizing what you did. 
I want to. I want to. Yes, and I, I want to say to you, there are whole subreddits dedicated to how they need to subclass a wizard of high sorcery or a salamic knight or something like that. And what you did, what both of you did, was you know you took the organization rules and you made it a whole another deal so people can dedicate their own classes to what the hell they want and not have to be not have to be beholden to wizard ice horsery subclass or a knight of whatever subclass yes we do have a subclass there but you don't have to do that for the knights of slamia whatever i'm just saying what what was done was great uh and you're There's talking so in previous hard... editions? No, I'm talking about about 5e. And, and if you go look online oh, okay. I, I and how was... people are arguing over what a, a you know the order of high sorcery of the Knights of Salamnia would look like in 5e. Mm-hmm. Like, did you did well, you do any you can do some research, it's all there. I think like with Knights of Salamnia, you have to go back to the original material and, and even discussing this with, with Tracy when he did his live stream. Um, even he uh, admitted or said that he would redesign them in a different way because they're overly complicated. Um, and one of the things that you go back to the original book is how do you join the, the Knights of Slamnia? Well, in one part of the book, it tells you one thing. And then the next part of the book, it tells you a different way. Um, you got to take a test. You have to progress as a knight of the crown to the sword. Where the first part of the book it tells you, you can just here's how you join these orders. And knights of the rose are hereditary, or you have to do a great deed. And knights of the sword, you know, it tells you a different way. So there's really two versions in in Dragonlance Adventures and how to enter the knighthood. Um, everybody latched onto, including myself, the second one of. You got to start as a knight of the crown, get your levels in, and then move up. Yeah, when you are when you get a fresh new book, right, and you open it for the first time, do you read, you know, the, the entries, the paragraphs of, of text? I don't. I go straight for the charts and, and the stats and, like, how do you stat up a, a knight of Salamnia? Oh, there's an, a class. Let me look at the, the, gra- the chart that has all the yeah. information on it. That's what I, I – so, yeah, I mean – I don't blame anybody for it. It's naturally no. where your eye well, goes. Because I did it too. I didn't even realize that there were two different kind of ideas happening at the same time. Well, and if the the worst part though is this year in two different sections. They're right. not even the yeah. same. They're not even the same section. They're not even this, the opening paragraph. They 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 talk about the two different areas about the classes, and then then later they give you the table. Of course, you're going to look at the table and say, "Well, I have to do this." Yeah, that's natural, but so we we tried to go back with them, trying to be back to their original roots as much as possible, and and with that, it also allows you to take your test. So you take your subclass option, and then you can take whatever initial house you've joined or not house. Oof, boy, someone's <laughs> <laughs> watching a little bit too much Game of Thrones. We're <laughs> here. Uh, that too. I don't know which one. Um, so it allows you to join which, whichever order you want to choose to start out with. And then it, after a while, if you want to switch orders, you can do it. It's in the rules how to switch orders. But you can take an ability from that next order then. So it allows you kind of, kind of to, as, as your knight journeys, and you can do the classic approach of starting as a knight of crown. Petitioning your way up. Or you can start with the other version in Dragonlance Adventures where you pick up which, which order you want to start with? You can start as Knight of the Rose. So in, in this way, you have both choices. You're not limited to one or the other, but you can choose to follow the old traditional. I've got to be a Knight of the Crown first until I hit level 7. Then I can jump to Knight of the Sword until I hit level 9. Then I'd be a Knight of the Rose. That's, that's an option for you. Yeah, that's silly, but whatever. I mean, for some folks that, that it's important for them, they want to play that way. I wanted to make sure that was included as an option for them. So, yeah. And, or for folks like myself who would like to hop around and start as a Knight of the Rose because 
my uncle was Bright Blade Jr. <laughs> yeah. Another it, thing about making these things subclasses instead of, you know, a, a faction that you can join, that kind of eliminates all of the unique, um, especially for the Wizards of High Sorcery, like the arcane, like I, we call them in 5e, arcane traditions. But, I mean, these are things that are established in, you know, 3-5 and are hinted at in their drawing off of stuff that was hinted at in 2nd edition. So, um, things that might have been kits at one point, even. Like the Griffin Wizard might have been a kit at some point. Um, but I'm, this allows us to, to expand in... Like, if you want to play a War Mage, but you want to be a Wizard of High Sorcery, right? Maybe the Wizard... Uh, making them a subclass limits player options, just like you're saying. Um, this way you can be any kind of Wizard that you want and still be a part of the Wizards of High Sorcery. Or any kind of... Like, you can play a Bard and be a Knight of Salamnia, right? Yep. Um, and I, that's, I think that's a better design strategy. So... The 3.5 prestige classes were turned into subclasses. Many of them, yeah. Yeah, yeah not, not all of them were, but yeah, um, all the ones that we have were, yeah, kind of pulled from the 3.5 era. Yeah, and, and then we made good subclasses for, for Knights of Slamnia, Legion of Steel, uh, and, and also Dark Knights. And those kind of drilled down a little bit more but yeah you're right uh we to join an organization was more of a separate set of rules which i thought was 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 great yeah well moving on here we've got player options um you know we talked about the handler background a bit we also um uh, added in uh the pestilent divine domain we added some feats in um, really, a lot of these things we added in the Chapter 3, the player options, were, were to make it more Dragonlance, the, the feel of it. Mm-hmm. It, was, it wasn't designed to be uh, an OP-type thing. It was more just like, oh, I, want, I want my Kender to have this handler background, because I want to run that traditional kind of Kender that I've always pictured in my mind. I'm going to call him Cass. Cass... Or furfoot, furbut. There we go. Um, but we wanted to make sure everybody had a lot of uh, great options to kind of make that feel. And and I think that you know when you look at the player options, um, the ones that were probably the the hardest for us to come up with was probably the warlock domains. Oh yeah, patrons, I'm, warlock I'm patrons. I'm I'm glad we did them though because Warlock is a newer class that's not necessarily normally represented in Dragonlance novels. And I mean you guys did so good. I helped a little bit, but I really like those patrons. Yeah, I I think overall, I mean Tim, I mean you you your Dragon Overlords smashed it out of the park. I I didn't write Dragon Overlords, I don't believe. You, maybe I did it. I thought you. I thought you. I thought, you, I, I thought you rewrote it. So well, John I, did the original write up for Dragon Overlord. Oh, that's okay. right. You, you guys apparently are interchangeable in my head tonight. Oh, okay, but no, I didn't. So, I didn't even rewrite it. I just edited it. No, and, like, we say, bounced. We saw some problems and we bounced some ideas back and forth, and um, you know we fixed the problems. And um, now John did a great job coming up with yeah. this idea. But it's essentially exactly what he meant to come up with. So I take back what I said on this. John did an excellent job. John did knocked great. it out of the park. <laughs> right. So the fallen tower one is really interesting because you know there's a number of towers towers of high sorcery that have been blown up, and to have one of them as a patron is pretty interesting. Yeah, because I mean, good. I was going to say, because, I mean, the aspect is the magic has always remained in those areas. I mean, it, even as destroyed, they still have the, the groves and things like that are still around there. Um, and so what happens at magical energy? I mean, it must manifest somehow. 
Yeah, and they, I mean, we it is an established kind of thing that the the towers of high sorcery have at least a, a personality that they can manifest uh, the masters of the towers. So if the magical energy is there, maybe that sentience is also there. So um, I mean, a lot of this was was very much inspired by the uh, the warlock that John's playing in our. Uh, Dragons on the River of Time game. Yeah. And um there were some things that we were having trouble rectifying and, and so we just created a whole other kind of a thing. Uh based off of his idea, kind of it, it's just, it's a spin-off of that idea. So um yeah, I think I, I think between Chuck and I we uh, came up with some of this stuff together and just started playing ping pong with it for a while and it worked out i guess it's that's how we do most of it we ping pong yeah. back and forth yep and then um, ed gets involved and ruins our day yeah i usually come like in this will shorten it I'm like hey <laughs> you guys got 26 pages describing this this block of stone that's oh more description who cares what the salt is i'm okay being the quote dick unquote <laughs> The next chapter we head into is the um, racial weapons and equipment. Um, kind of one of those things that we looked at some of the older material. Uh, Tim did a lot of the, the footwork on this one of, a, of getting it updated. A good majority of this is simply just a, a rehash of um, from second edition. The Tales of the Lance box set has the most complete uh, weapons list for you know, individual races and their cultures and uh, the weapons that they use. And so I just converted all of it over to 5e language and Ed put it in this beautiful chart. So you can just look at it. Two words, ice grenade. That's all. Yeah. Right. More than that, dude, there's all types of it. Bear claws. Hey, hey, and... hey, hey if you don't know what an ice grenade is yet though, look it up. We had, to, we had to packs. cut the throwing sticks, and I'm still chafing over it. Lajongs. No, well, yeah, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> yes, we cut the throwing stick because it wasn't the room. But and really, it's just a stick that you throw. Come on. It's a damn stick, dude. Come on. I know it's a special one. Stick. Yeah. It's special to Tim. He likes his sticks. Moving into chapter five, breaking up this fight, we hit the we 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 wanted to make sure the pantheon was included, um, and that it was not just a rehash of, um, the three and a half book, the holy orders of the stars. Is that it? Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I want to give a shout out here. Trampus pretty much wrote almost all of this chapter, and so. Where you know this credit is due, Trampus did a really good job here. He sure did, yeah. And I love the fact that he uh, included the the variant names uh, and occasionally a pronunciation, like a phonetic spelling <laughs> for people. Yeah, we had some disagreements on this on the spelling, mostly from my end, uh, but I I just shut my mouth and put it in there anyway. I mean, it is on the Nexus. There, there's Jeff Grubb and uh, someone else who, who who breaks down all the uh, enunciations of everything, which I still say we are not an enunciation podcast, so we're not going to worry about it. Right. I'm sorry, uh, man. I have a major problem calling Majira Majara. Yeah, I, that's the only one that I'm, I'm kind of like, huh? Really? But, I, I have no idea on that one. That was... Uh, Majara, Majari, whatever, dude. It doesn't matter. I'm looking it up right now. We're not, we're not even gonna like discuss how to pronounce things on this podcast. It's fine. Ambient (laughs) magic of Kren. How about that? I love it. That was was hard to figure out. I went, I, I, when I started on this, I was like, actually, Trampus called me on the phone. And we had like an hour long talk about what in what way are we ever going to be able to represent mysticism in Dragonlance? And um, we rolled around a bunch of ideas. I created 
a whole class with three subclasses, and we even had it up on the Nexus for a while, but I mean, it, it just it it wasn't working. I mean, it what it didn't represent basically everything that the Mystics, you know, they're they're so diverse. So how do we figure that out? And so we came. I, I just kind of came up with this, like um, Dragonlance started in you know AD and D, obviously, uh, where and it's it's a little bit more. I guess if you want to, I don't know. This is sounds very judgy. It it's it's a more mundane kind of setting um, where magic is less ubiquitous right um whereas three third edition and you know the wizards of the coast era you know fifth edition fourth edition fifth edition uh magic everybody seems to have the ability every class has a magic kind of variant to that class um and so magic in fifth edition just seems to be everywhere well where does that come from <laughs> it's uh mysticism or it's sorcery, or, you know, that's how you explain why a barbarian can call down lightning on somebody sometimes, or that, you know, its ancestors show up uh, to help him fight, um, depending on the barbarian subclass you take. So, um, you know, um, I think what we did here works. Uh, and it's, this is a kind of, there's some little shout-outs to Saga Edition, which is near and dear to my heart, so... Um, yeah. I'm just going to say that this is the most, one of the most well done chapters in the book because you, there was a class by class breakdown because there's been a lot of argument on the message boards back in the early 2000, you know, 2000 and 2010 about what mysticism is. How do you reflect that in classes? We've, you made the decision that mystics can just be clerics in 5e because they're only one domain now uh but this chapter is so detailed for as short as it is and really does a good job of explaining the magic and how it threads into mysticism Uh, i'm serious like if anybody has problems with kind of trying to put the plot of magic of the books into a D&D game, this chapter really does a great job of explaining everything and also breaking it down by class of how you can express it. So good job. Thanks. Appreciate that. Anything else there on on this uh, ambient magic discussion? No, but we're going to go to our next chapter, which should be your favorite, Chuck. That's right. You did a good job. I I was gonna say once again I held the ladder as Tim did the heavy work. Oh no, most of this is. I mean, I did a couple of them, but uh, this is mostly you and John. Uh, but you were responsible for getting it all play tested and balanced out and all that. So, chapter Lord. seven is magical weapons and items, and this oh, is we're a skipping chat- over all of it. <laughs> What's that? Oh, I'm sorry. I thought we were on creatures of Ancelon. My bad. No, I, was, no, I, was, I was complimenting you on Creatures of Ancelon. My bad. Let's say chapter seven. That's a lot. Of, that's a lot of Tim work. I, I I did some of it. You most. Or, yeah, yeah, I There's did a, a good lot of chunk work of it. All of us. But yeah, I, I, I won't take I, all of this. I was say I handled the the dragon lances. That's about it. Yeah. Um, I, I'm looking, and I I don't see very many that I did. So I think John did a. I gonna say I think John did a good chunk of them. Um, but overall, I mean, a lot of this stuff goes back to, once again, uh, 2E, 3.5, uh, even 1E on their abilities, uh, trying to balance it between the 3 and then making it back into a 5E uh, type thing. I think Tristan did some of these, too. Oh, cool. Yeah, there's... I got to tell you, the Staff of Magius write-up is my favorite of any edition. It's really good. Isn't it? Yeah, it is good. I love the the random effects and how they can become permanent effects and yeah it's great. And I think I mean overall it's it's all great stuff for, for even when we play tested a lot of this stuff out it all came back 
feeling like Dragon Lance. I mean, that was the overall overwhelming um, opinion was that this is Dragon Lance mm-hmm. on these items. They felt like they felt like it was the book version of some of the stuff. Um, moving on here because we are getting a little long on the tooth of this episode. Uh, Creatures of Ancelon. Yeah. Um, and this is one of those chapters that um, we spent a lot of time on because it had to be. Um, there's a lot of playtesting on some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, big shout out to, to to the crews that 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 do it. Um, uh, you you guys have done some amazing work. Um, I'd give shout, personal shout outs, but I forget somebody and then I feel bad later. Then I have to edit this with another voice. <laughs> but um, overall, we had about 150 different people who took part in playtesting of different forms. Um, you know, we don't really sign NDAs, so you know, Tim Tim has helped playtest. Um, what what you you're in the Kinder playtest um, for part of it, for I believe. Pizza, yeah, yeah. So and it was you know it, it, each group that kind of does it gets gets a piece, and and we look at it that way. Um, when it came down to the end here, um, we really wanted to make these uh, even draconians, the dragon spawn, feel like they they kind of do in the novels, but yet are similar to three and a half, two e. Um, dragon spawn, of course, will be a three and a half thing. Um, and they were probably the hardest, I think, to convert over because there's only one edition of them, so you mm-hmm. only have the the one opinion on, on it. Where Draconians, you had one E, two E, three and a half to to kind of base sure. your opinions on. So, uh, but we were el- also able to. Um, Tim did a nice job coming up with the Ogre Titan. Dude, um, it is my favorite monster ever in Dragonlance. The thing yeah. that is original to Dragonlance. These guys are awful. I mean, they are so. I mean, just so freaking evil. And I just I I loved working on this. Dude, the stat block took a whole page. I would I know. I'm looking at it, I'm like, it's a whole page all on its own. I mean, it is a solo (laughs) monster. I mean, that's the thing. Ogre Titan would you're you're not gonna face multiple of them. You're gonna face one of them, and they are a beast to handle. Mm -hmm. Um I know there's several, several, several times it was just a TPK. With with you know we're, we're looking at all upper level characters, um, to be like oh, he's he don't who two two uh ever facing two is never recommended. So yeah, um, unless you're playing some super high level twenty game. Uh, the other things that I loved included that that we had included was the spectral minions, um, because those are going to be a big part um in what I'm working on, um. Mm-hmm. Thanks, chapter chapter four. Um, needed some some guardian spectrum minions, and I've got the stats, and I've got the philosopher one also. Yeah. Plus, if we've got a couple more tucked away yet that we haven't quite released. Yeah, they're statted up. They're all ready to go. We just are gonna include them in a future supplement down the road. So I, I just want to say because I, I have to, I did the layout design for this book. Okay, and it's beautiful. This- no, it's fine. This no, chapter took me the longest. Stat blocks are the worst. I don't care what anybody says. Stat blocks take the longest to lay out. That's all I got to say. <laughs> it worked out. It's fine. And, and uh, yeah. as I was going to say, and, and overall, I think you have enough monsters here um, to, to actually do a, a decent campaign between here and the monster manual. Yeah, totally. In any particular uh, age you want to play in, yeah, yeah. The last couple chapters, where I'm just going to put them together. Chapter well, nine. These are all oh. yours, Chuck. I mean, I can't imagine how much time it took you to write up all of this stuff. All of this. Well, we, amazing. We, we uh, well, we, when you're writing up some of the stuff, it's pretty basic stuff when you're. It's been told five, four or five times. Yeah. Um, it's it, you can only tell things certain ways. I mean, some of the stuff does come from the lexicon because uh, sure. it was it was good enough from there. Um, so there's no more over... lexicon joke. What's that? Oh, sorry, it comes from the wiki. 
Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's it's a throwback there for a second. Um, but there's there's so a lot of the stuff we had in the wiki that's been worked on by multiple people. Um over the years, um been able to, to use some of that, utilize some of that, but some of that stuff has to be um the geography section especially. That's there huge. Might, I'll say there might be a sentence or two, a paragraph that you can pull pull and use that was good from the wiki, but then the rest of it you have to come up with. So um and you try to figure out what's the most important parts of those areas. I mean, for some of them, like Tabardin, it's High Barden. I mean, it's pretty mm-hmm. easy. But then you've got Naraka, which has like or Tom and Bur- Busik. Also, uh, Naraka. You, you've got like three or four major cities in that area. Like, which one do you pick? Well, you go with Naraka because that's the one that's going to be most used. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Like I said, these two chapters, a lot of shout-outs to the Lexicon group that, that did a lot of the footwork or a lot of the, the paving of the way. But um, overall, it should give you enough information, even though Chapter 9 is the River of Time. But we won't go there. Time of Kryn. It's the time of Kryn. It's there. Let us all... And reflect upon the time of Kryn. So one thing we haven't mentioned is this was all written at, you know, there are little notes through the whole book from Tasselhoff. And Weldon Chen was good enough to write some of the good ones. Um, But yeah, I, I, that was where I flexed. Uh, But the most, I would say, I tried to have a little bit comedic relief, but honestly, Chuck and Tim, you guys, this is your this is your baby. Okay. Well, I mean, don't sell yourself short, Ed. I mean, the layout it it looks like a completely professional, like ready to be on the shelf at a gaming store book because I mean, it doesn't matter. Like we could have written a bunch of crap and it the way you laid it out, it looks very professional, very classy. And um, yeah, I mean, it's a beautiful book. And, and as a labor of a community too. I mean, uh, you've got Trampas who contributed. You got John mm-hmm. who contributed. Um, like I said, the Lexicon staff, folks from, from and, and all of them. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say it's a huge crew group who did this. So it wasn't just a a one man show. Sure. It was just Tim. But it, it was really I just I just read everything. That'd I be, even painted the pictures. So sorry, Alina. Yeah, I'll <laughs> be the movie just version. Kidding. No, yeah, it's it's just Tim. No, no one else in the movie. There's really, Tim. in fact, there's really not a Dragonlance fandom. It's it's all just different accounts that I made. It's just you flexing <laughs> yeah. your muscles, it's, and it's the energy me. comes. And I bought all the original. But I bought all the books. I am Cam Banks. So yeah, yeah, I am Tracy Hickman. But that's that's the beauty of it. We couldn't, we can't do this without any of the other people that have come before us. You know, right? Yep. And and we're not stopping either. So that's that's the thing is, uh, even though we wrapped this up and then we did take kind of a short break because we didn't immediately release something the day after this came out because it takes a while to do this. This is all on our free time. Right. Um, but that being said, shortly enough, uh, we'll have our next release of, of a document. Uh, and as Ed hinted, it has some original art because folks uh, the who support the, the Patreon, Patreon, we are able to use those funds to uh, support some artists and, and get some new, fresh Dragonlance art. Mm-hmm. Do we so want to tease what that is? Or are you going to wait? Uh, tell us well, about the Champions of Grin, Chuck. Uh, so champions are current. Um, so growing up, uh, let's go back to my childhood. How much time I got left? Um, my childhood was spent. I grew up on a farm, rural, and uh, my older brother had a computer, and he had a game called Champions of Kryn. And I had read the Dragonlance Chronicles, and kind of, so I knew what Dragonlance was. But this game was you took you you created an adventuring party. It's a gold box game from SSI. For those of you who know what that is, it's it's treasured. Um, 
and you form an adventuring company, and and it takes place a year after the War of the Lands, and you stop the next big threat, and you take your adventuring party through the cities of Throttle, Gargath, Jalik. You you meet ogres, you meet a death knight, you battle the evil forces under under an Arak, Draconian, um, goes by the name of. Well, I'm not going to spoil that yet. But for those of you who played the game, you'd know what I'm talking about. That's an insider knowledge there. BTW, but, that game is on GOG.com, by the way. Yeah, and, it, and it's super old. And it's, I mean, once again, it came out early 90s, which is a long time ago nowadays. Um, but when I created this, one of the things I want to do is try to take the aspects of the story, but yet modernize it. So um, chapter one, it'll take you into... Uh, the opening sequence of the game into the first part of the throttle mission. Chapter two will conclude the throttle mission, and then we move on to the rest going through. It is not a uh, exact recreation of the game. It is a embodiment of the game. So based based on Champions of Grin, Sir Carl is in the game. Inspired by Champions of Grin. Yes, I mean, it takes elements of it too. I mean, that's the thing. Like, it doesn't veer off the storyline that much, but it's not a where you go forward, roll a random encounter dice, and see what happens. Ah, those were the days. No, they weren't. Hey, you didn't grow up. You didn't grow up in South Dakota <laughs> in the middle of winter. There wasn't much else going on. No, just give me another random encounter. There's 19 hobgoblins. Perfect. That's going to at least take an hour to load. As I switch disc. Three and a half inch disc. Yeah. Oh, floppies. Love them. Yeah, so. I'm excited. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. You're excited. I'm excited for it. I'm excited for it to come out here. Um, Like I said, we've got some, some, we've teased the cover of it. We have. Yeah, yeah. Ed, Ed, you did. I did. Yeah, things have Ed's forgotten. That'll be the next podcast. No, no, I'm I'm 100 happy about it. Like people know. are super excited for it. We're and gonna I'm, get this out here in the next month and change. Yeah, I, I mean the the it's it's been play tested, written. Now we just got to do the polishing of it, and then yeah. layout is all on Ed, and then we all then pace the room nervously waiting for Ed. It's yeah, like waiting for driving. a baby to be born. We're like oh, out in a waiting God. room with cigars. Yeah, so <laughs> only our cigars are uh, Otec spice potato flavored. Right, exactly. I'm already driving Chuck crazy by bringing up my normal nonsense. So it, we're going to have a great game, and it's going to continue to be released throughout next year. So yeah. It looks like right now, the way it's been plotted out, there'll be eight eight chapters to it. And each chapter, the first chapter will take between four to six hours to play. Four to six, not 46 hours. But then all the other subsequent chapters will be quite, quite, a, while, quite a longer time to play. So we're talking 12 plus hours. But Chuck, how much does this all cost? It costs the same thing it costs you for Tassel's pouches of everything. Just just my blood, sweat, and tears. Correct. And Tim's. Ours. Just a little bit, yeah. Everyone's. So, um, doesn't won't cost anything. We'll release it on the Nexus as it pops up. Um, once again, the labor of love. Um, you know, no, none of us are getting kicked back from it. At least, at least I'm not. I'm pretty sure Ed is, but... <laughs> He's got his bootlegs copies that he's selling out of the back of his truck. <laughs> I saw him driving around Dallas the other day. So he pulled up. It's, it's too hot to drive around Dallas right now. <laughs> I've, got, I've got some books in the back of my trunk. Would you like to take a look? <laughs> Y'all want some of them 5e dragon lands, huh? <laughs> that's, that's our house patches of everything. <laughs> got extra candy? <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, that's, oh that's my gosh. All right, I'm done. All right, we're going to wrap that up now. We're sorry <laughs> who we offended. And 
we want to thank everyone. Uh, once again, I want to thank Trampus for, for keeping this dream alive. Without him getting the Nexus going, um, none of this would have happened. We wouldn't have uh, ever met each other and uh, spent the last two years arguing with each other. Correct. Yep. Uh, my blood pressure would probably be lower then. Should I really be thanking Trampus? We got meds for that. <laughs> That's true. All right, we're going to sign off here. Uh, we'll back to your regular tune podcast here with our next episode, which should be either the Soul Forge or Tarnings of the Spring Dawning or Dragons of Spring Dawning or uh, the other one that's been recorded. So, Flip a coin. I don't know what's coming up next, but we've got some stuff in the pipe. So, I'm Chuck. It's been, your, it's been a pleasure being your host tonight. I'm Tim. And I'm Ed. Thank you very much. Have a good evening. Thank you, guys.